Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, and welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Welcome back to the anxiety series. Welcome to the episode Coping with Anxiety. And I would love to uh, distinguish the this episode and the next episode because the next episode is called, let me, the next episode is called Long-Term Anxiety Management. And I want to start this episode by distinguishing the difference between coping and management at least the way that I would like to frame it in this episode. I also just want to say I am in the city, so you may hear in the background a, a an engine or a missing muffler <laughs> and loud vehicles and engines going by, and we're just going to roll with it because I live in a van and you're coming with me all over the country. I'm currently in Phoenix, Arizona, so... I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank you for following along my journey. Uh, I want to th- thank you for the feedback I've received so far in this series uh, of my own journey with anxiety and uh, doing my best to, again, do this topic justice. And so if you have feedback for me, please reach out. You can reach me on socials. You can email me, abigail at heartsunleashed.com, uh, whichever way. I'd love to hear from you and how this is landing for you or perhaps what's missing for you from this series and any questions I can answer. In fact, in this episode, I'm going to answer some very specific questions that were asked of me when I was sort of asking for uh, feedback or interest in the anxiety series. So I want to distinguish the difference that I am going to make with coping versus management. Coping, I'm going to refer to coping in real time, experiencing anxiety or perhaps an anxiety attack. Uh, and then long-term management, the next episode I'm going to discuss, um, we're going to talk about medications. We're going to talk about therapy and, um, again, long-term coping skills, misdiagnosis, all sorts of things in the next episode. But today I want to talk about, um, what it's like in real time. And then some of the questions that you guys asked about that. So first off, just being able to distinguish some of the difference. And one of the questions I received in, in, in a few different ways was how do you squash an anxiety episode? So I'll talk about that. And I just want to say that a lot of us are trying to remove anxiety from our life. And I, I want to be really clear. You're not going, unless you have like a lobotomy, you're not going to remove anxiety from your life. The difference is anxiety is not going to run your life. I still experience anxiety. I just don't let it run my life or make my decisions. Or um, I do my best not to behave impulsively because of it, right? Like living to only relieve my anxiety. And so I just want to start by saying that. So how do you squash an anxiety episode in real time? I do have an episode called Anxiety Meditation, which is really to help you come down from an anxiety attack in the moment. Uh, in fact, like the episode starts right away where I'm meeting you right where you are at, at the peak of an anxiety attack. And if you were to go listen to that experientially, you'd go through it. 
but I'm actually going to talk about the tactic I use in that episode, which is spatial recognition, uh, grounding. So in that episode, the, the tactic I'm using is using your five senses to come back into your physical reality and physically tether yourself back to the time and space that you're in. Because a lot of times, and I say this very carefully, it's not about the, you know, it's all in your head. It's about that we get swept up in our head, in our heart, in our emotion, in our feeling, in our fear. So that those are very intangible experience that only you are experiencing that will overtake you. And that you're spa- using your senses to get back into the space that you're in is very, very powerful. So for example, speaking what you see, speaking what you hear, speaking what you smell, speaking what you feel, touch, meaning like I am, you can hear me probably rubbing, I am touching the wood countertop, the wood desk uh, in in my van. I'm in my van and, and it's, it's I'm in Phoenix and it feels like it's 100 degrees in the van and it's, it's 10 p.m. at night and the lights are on and I can see my towel hanging and I can see my phone on the desk and my ice water and um, I'm wearing a black shirt and my blue microphone's in front of me. So starting to declare what's going on in your physical reality is a way to start to come back and calm down. Now, I I don't want to skip topic. I want to try to stay in a flow here or in the same stream, which is like trying to resist and insist like I'm fine. I want to, I'm fine is not going to help or like trying to not feel the anxiety is, is not going to work, but that, um, being able to sort of calm yourself down. So I want to distinguish the use of the right and left sides of the brain. First responders use this tactic, which is also has to do sort of with the spatial awareness, but using the analytical side of your brain, activating the memory recall, like, or uh, statistical, like, what's your address? What's your age? What's your mom's maiden name? Like using the analytical fact recall part of your brain also helps to come back and um, slow down the momentum of the emotional wave. And so that's a really powerful tactic as well. How to squash an anxiety episode is to start fact recalling or perhaps get a pen and paper out and start writing facts down or again, writing down the spatial statements and awareness. That's going to be a quick way. A lot of times people try to get a hold of their breathing, but the emotional wave is so strong that attempting to lead with your breathing, may you may not be able to get a hold of it that way. And, and you may have struggled with that before. And, and those are some of the reasons why is because your breathing is very much attached to the emotional wave. And so it can be hard to get a hold of. So getting a hold of the emotion is more uh, strategic in moving through an anxiety episode. And then I'd love to, I'm going to bring in another tactic for coping in the moment, but I want to answer it with a, you bring it up with a question. Someone said, how do you sit with it? and not add more fuel to the fire, not add more fuel to the thoughts when anxiety comes on. And I love this question the way that it's posed because the the real question is how to sit with it. And then how do we not, how do we sit with it without also being swept up by it? I, I love this question. And I'm going to answer in a few ways. Sitting with it 
I want to propose an awareness. And I believe I said this in one of the other episodes, your no thought or emotion can kill you. So sitting with a thought, a fear, emotion, a traumatizing memory, none of those can kill you. It is your behavior or reaction to a thought or emotion or memory or fear. It's your your physical reaction or action that can kill you. So it's feeling like something is so intolerable that you must do something about it to stop it, like drinking or self-harm or any other sort of impulsive behavior, those are the things that can kill you. And so being still and sitting with is is a powerful tool. And most people are absolutely petrified of facing their fear or their traumatizing memory. And so what I want to introduce is something that I do with people is exposure therapy. So I work with people in a very safe setting and environment to visit fear, to visit darkness, to visit their deepest, darkest thoughts and fears and ideations and and memories and um, experiences to experience it from a new perspective. The uh, Another tactic here is called reframing. And I just want to give a quick example is so many people revisit a memory from the like age and circumstance that they experienced it. And so let's say you are a an eight year old and you were, you know, 75 pounds and, you know, under three feet tall, or I, I might be messing up the statistics, right? Under four feet tall. And you were being abused by an adult who was 200 pounds and five, nine or six foot, and they were stronger and more powerful and the like more dominating, right? Like they, their presence was so strong. So usually we go, we revert back to that, you know, little human and feel helpless and hopeless and weak and vulnerable and exposed, right? And abused in whatever way, whether that be physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually. And this is just one example, right? And so we revert, the fear that takes over is the fear of of that exact uh, way that you were then. But as an adult, you can reframe this because you couldn't have, it couldn't have gone different and we can't change the past. And so I give people the safe opportunity and environment to revisit that and sit with the experience and realize that as an adult, they don't have to relate to it the same way. They don't have to experience the same level of fear and helplessness and hopelessness and vulnerability. And so being able to reframe it and revisit it and heal the wounds that were caused can then give us a better handle on our anxiety. I am sort of dripping into the next episode of long-term management. Uh, We'll get around to that, but also exposure therapy. So sitting with and not adding more fuel to the thoughts, uh, a lot of that has to do with healing, but that exposure therapy is one of the pieces that you can take on with coping. That being said, I do recommend professional support in exposure therapy. For example, I don't, you know, revisiting like your childhood home by yourself may throw you into another anxiety attack, right? Like getting support around that, making sure that you're emotionally uh, stable enough to do something like that is uh, important. And 
Uh, we'll talk about the assistance of like medications, like depending on how emotionally stable or your emotional endurance or your emotional stability and ability to take on some of this work. We'll talk about that in the next episode. I'm trying to like pull these things apart so that it's not as overwhelming the idea of anxiety management and coping and and being strong and, and building strength and being able to do all of this and take it on. And then inside of the same question and answer, I want to bring in the awareness that under like understanding the shame and anger and sadness and frustration that is involved in experiencing anxiety and the way that all of these things compound upon each other to further cripple or disable you, or at least dismantle your efforts to overcome them. So I'm going to say this a way that, you know, by the way, it was, um, I think it was like 2017 when I, I interviewed 50 people about their experience with anxiety. And I, I've so much of the work that I do has been built on that market research and studying and working with people and hearing directly from them what they struggle with, what they need help with, what they would hope that, you know, doing the work would do for them and the kind of help that they would want. And so, so much of this comes from doing this work with people. But I want to say a statement that so many of us relate to, and I call it, there's there's lots of terms that we use, snowballing, stacking, compounding, compiling, like everybody has their relationship with this effect. But like, I'm mad and I'm mad that I'm mad and I'm mad that I'm mad that I'm mad that I'm mad or I'm sad that I'm sad and I'm sad that I'm sad that I'm sad that I'm sad or I'm anxious and I'm anxious that I'm anxious and I'm anxious that I'm anxious that I'm anxious, right? Like you, you get it. And so... There's this compounding that happens and I want to offer you a piece of coping is having the awareness that shame, anger, sadness, frustration, overwhelm, all anxiety, all of those are natural human emotions. You will not rid yourself of them. The true coping and 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 the new practice to take on is to not have the second reaction to the first emotion. Did you hear it? There's the initial human emotion, which is natural, but then we compound it with a reaction to the emotion. So if you have, I'm going to pick a specific example, you're out and you hear someone yell at someone else and you have this flood of memory and you feel your face flush and you remember when you were yelled at and when your dad used to yell at you and your significant other yelled at you and you got out of those situations. But now you're like literally wrapped in an anxiety moment or a, a flashback and you're you're just paralyzed with fear, right? Like you have the right to that. That is a very natural reaction that if you hear a violent yell that you would have a flashback and feel a lot of a wave of emotions but to compound it with upset with yourself for having that raw wound to then say, you shouldn't have felt that way or damn it, I thought you fixed this already or you should be over this by now. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like then berating yourself would, I love this example is if you saw somebody in the alleyway who had been mugged, would you then run up to them and yell at them for getting mugged? Like you idiot, why'd you walk in the alley? Or you shouldn't have been in that place at that time doing that thing. Like, no, you would check on that person. Like, are you okay? What do you need? How can I help? you. I'll help is on the way. I'll call an ambulance, right? So as much 
grace and love and assistance that you would offer to anybody else in a moment of need is the same grace and compassion, acceptance and and assistance that you need to offer yourself in a time or moment of need. So how to cope is offering grace, not fix. I'm not talking about bypassing, meaning insisting that you're fine and you're happy or you, you know, you're okay and there's nothing wrong. Like that's not the same as I am upset and I see that I am upset and I offer acceptance and grace to this moment of upset. And I honor that I need time and space to process what I'm experiencing. Like that is very different than nothing's wrong. I'm fine. I'm okay. Moving on. Right. Or the opposite of like, it's a version of coping, which is to distract yourself or avoid, but that's not a healthy coping mechanism. And that's something that we try to do is distract and busy ourselves and flood ourselves with thinking or feeling anything else other than the anxiety. You're literally just compounding in a different way with an attempt to distract or stifle or stuff. And those emotions will just wait their turn. In fact, I have an episode called Feelings Are Meant to Be Felt. If you would like to um, dive deeper into what compounding and stuffing your emotions does and how to process that. Okay. Um, I have another question from somebody. How do you be less anxious going forward? Mm. I love this question. So obviously all these little coping mechanisms that the more you do it, the more you do it, the the better you feel, the better you feel, the more you take care of yourself. One, the more you can take care of yourself, the more you want to take care of yourself, the more you feel good, the more you prioritize feeling good, the more you protect your good energy, right? So, um, this is a positive momentum direction. And I want to say, I want to offer a very specific practice, which is self-expression. Now for my anxious folks, self-expression at first can induce anxiety because you're going to be facing all of your fears and concerns about rejection, ridicule, criticism, being laughed at, you know, self-expression at first is scary. And that the more you do it, the more you can do it. And the more self-expressed you are, the more free you feel, the more relief you feel, the more self-love you feel, the more it becomes almost laughable that you wouldn't live self-expressed. And like, what a fun time of life it gets to be to live self-expressed. And so um, I want to say like, this has been one of my own personal journeys of self-expression is like, the more I come out, like with each phase of self-expression, I have this little you know, burst of shame or fear or concern. But then right on the other side of like, hey, this is, hey, everybody, this is a new expression of me, or this is a new identity that I have, or this is like me learning more about myself. Like when I share that, I love to share publicly. You don't have to do that. But the more that I do that, the more free that I feel, the more self-embraced that I feel. And I feel more embraced by others. Like people relate to what I'm sharing, or I find more like-minded and like-hearted people. And 
that of course is more fun and, and enriching in my life. And it makes for a richer experience of life. And so, um, I just want to like drip in towards the positive momentum that self-expression is a wonderful way to cope with anxiety. It will bump you up against your anxious edges, I want to say, but it will also burst you over the threshold of that anxiety and put you into a new phase of self-identity, self-expression, self-acceptance. And boy, does that get fun. And so I hope that this was a helpful episode. I My anxiety wants to talk to me about like, none of what I said is enough and I could have said more or I missed out on this or that or the other or I should have covered more topics or been more technical about things and I'm not going to let my anxiety run the show. And I also want to acknowledge that I'm doing my due diligence as best as possible to serve this topic justice. So if you feel like something was missing for you or it leads to more questions, I would be more than happy to continue to answer them in more depth. So feel free to email me, abigail at heartsunleashed.com, or you can shoot me a message in DM or, you know, personal message, whatever on the socials, but that you are welcome to reach out. I would love to connect. And if this is helpful and you're ready for the one-on-one attention, I do want to say, like, admit that this feels like such a one-sided conversation that I help people, particularly in the areas of like coping and exposure therapy and healing wounds that cause anxiety. Like all of those are so so nuanced and so custom to each person that that's what where I feel like I'm falling short is that I know you're an individual person with an individual story and it has an individual outcome. And so if you'd love some individualized attention, please reach out. You can message me and ask for a discovery call and, and we can connect. I'd love to hear what you're, you know, struggling with and working through and processing and, and what, where you aim to be, like what it would be like to live beyond your anxiety. And so feel free. I encourage you to reach out to to process this stuff. And so thank you for being you. Thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. If this resonates, please, please share with those you know who are working through anxiety as best as they can and those that you think this might really help them make some substantial progress in their life. I love you so much. I look forward to tuning in again. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.